Welcome to episode 143 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC... Two. Welcome to episode 142 of Tim Talk, the podcast... About the DC anime universe, <laughs> co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Cameron Dexter. And I'm Chris Lord, and I don't know what's going on. We take a week off, and you <laughs> lose it. You lose it, Chris. Look, it is well-established. I'm a creature of habit. Yep. Any disruption to this or a new pattern that emerges is going to completely throw me off. That's true. I am a complete wreck right now. Hey, aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, pretty much all the time. Yes. But no, this is episode 142, the uh, premiere season two of Static Shock. Yes. And what I think these are two great episodes. It's nice to be yeah, back in this. I like this. This mm-hmm. is the, These were both really, really quite solid. Uh, and the beginnings of further bringing all the disparate parts of the DC animated universe together here. Yes. And, and one of these episodes continues to further my theory uh, that Butch Hartman... Uh, just stole all the Static Shock plots for Danny <laughs> Phantom because they the second episode is straight up ripped off in Danny Phantom. I love it. Like almost beat for beat. Oh, does it Tucker get superpowers? Yes, Tucker gets ghost powers. Oh, I vaguely recall that. And then this. he becomes evil. He he he's, he becomes corrupt with his ghost powers. Well, as most people would. Yeah. Given the opportunity, ghosts are inherently evil. It happened Casper. to Vlad pa- Plasmius. Vlad Powers, yes. And who's, and yes, Vlad Plasmius. Wait, is who's Vlad Plasmius then? It's the same guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so his his human name is is Vlad Powers. Yeah. Uh and then when he when he turns into a ghost, he turns into Vlad Plasmius. Also, not really much of a secret entity there. No. It's basically just the same thing. But at least he looks a little different. Unlike Danny, who looks the exact same, just changed clothes. Yeah, and hair. Yeah. And yes, no one seems to figure it out. Cartoons, man. Gotta love them. They're great. Uh, before we get to that, go a little bit of news here. We did. We haven't talked about Morbius. Oh, that's where the Morbius trailer came out. Talk about Morbius. Out. Yeah, don't care. Neither do I. No. Next. <laughs> I mean, the the big deal about this, and clearly Sony wanted it to be the big deal because they put it in the fucking trailer, mm-hmm. is that Michael Keaton's in it. Michael Keaton as the Vulture is in this. Which do you think that's gonna be the last shot of the movie? Yeah, probably. Because it looks like the last shot. It looks like him already getting arrested. Yeah, I think he's yeah he's going to prison, and so there's Michael Keaton, and I guess there's like. Some posters in the background that say like Spider-Man murder or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, but, there was the the big Spider-Man poster in the background of this, which got a lot of attention because it was the Spider-Man costume from Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Oh, but was it? there was another twist to that because it wasn't the exact poster from that Spider-Man. But <laughs> it's so dumb. But it was a screenshot uh, from Spider-Man PS4. While he's wearing the Spider-Man 1 costume. Oh my god, what? How many levels is that? So... Of, of Sony just being like, we own all these things. Is that the and way we of... don't know what to do with them. Is that the way of reminding everyone, hey, we have this amazing video game? Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah, it's probably the final shot. Like, they're trying so hard to be like, oh, it's part of the MCU now. Which I'm assuming this was part of the deal. Like... Well, yeah, so uh, Mr. Sunday Movie, who we modeled our podcast off mm, of. Patron Saint. Yes, he he put out a video talking about uh, the whole deal between Sony and Marvel. Mm-hmm. Basically, any characters created in a Spider-Man movie are Sony property, which is why Michael Keaton can come back uh, and all that stuff. But the funnier part of that video is him splicing in interviews where it's both Kevin Feige and the head of Sony talking about Spider-Man in interviews mm-hmm. because everything is is just her talking 
where she's like, yeah, you know, we're this big family. We're doing everything together. We're just like, we're super close and, and we're always talking about the next step for us together. And Kevin Feige is just like, we haven't been in a meeting ever. Yeah, we, this... <laughs> you can just see in his eyes, he's like, this woman is lying in every sentence. <laughs> like, yeah. We don't want anything to do with them. No, I mean, why would you? Venom was so, so bad. Yeah. But clearly people are dumb because that movie made like $900 million. Mm-hmm. Which is just gross. Well, the whole movie, the whole like idea of, of people going to see the movie was it wasn't that bad. Oh, yeah. Because the, like, the, the standard was so low the, for Venom. The bar was set That people so had low. to bring other people to just be like, Let's, look, it's not as bad as you think it is. Like, that's not, a, that's not a way to sell a movie. I swear to God. Like, I... Is when you drop the bar underwater, it doesn't mean you, you get a chance to walk over the bar. Yeah, I know. It's just like... Tom Hardy. Also, what was that metaphor you just used? I don't know. There was a there was a joke <laughs> in South Park where the where like the bar can't get any lower, and so they have to send James Cameron and his submarine down to the very bottom yeah. of the ocean because <laughs> that's the bar has gotten so low. Yeah. <laughs> All out. Why not? But no, like Tom Hardy is in an entirely different movie. And somehow he's more grounded as Venom than he is as Eddie Brock. Because yeah. no human being has ever behaved like that ever mm-hmm. in the history of the world. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. But hey, this is villain movie number three in three oh, years. Oh, God. I don't even... Oh. Actually, wait, along those lines, should we talk about the fact that the that Joker is the most Oscar-nominated film this year? And what a horrible, fucked-up, <laughs> stupid world we now live in? Yeah. God damn yeah. it. Was it eleven nominations for that movie? Something like that, and then and and I I do think Joaquin deserves best actor. He he's great in that movie. I mean he, he's crazy, okay, but okay, I mean he's me, he, me, acting wise he he is doing a great job. So okay, it's Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Leo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. I mean yeah, I'd say Joker I think is he's the showiest win. performance in that. Mm-hmm. Um. I think Leonardo DiCaprio is so fucking good in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, though. He is, but he's also the king of snubs. I mean, he is. But and he did. He has finally won he, one. Yeah, he did. Did you see that? Uh, there's that amazing clip that came out uh, after he won. Because what happens, they present you the award and then you go and get it engraved like on site, basically. Um, and so he's standing next to the guy who's doing the engraving. And the guy's like, hey, sorry, this takes a while. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't know. Which <laughs> <laughs> oh, is just Leo. like, that's good. God damn it. It's perfect. I know. I, I mean, yeah, Joker is the showiest performance. Like, it's kind of reminiscent of uh, when Leo won for like, Leo, like, he's my bud. Mm-hmm. When DiCaprio won for Revenant, which just like, it's just like, oh my God, look how hard this performance was. Look how hard they're acting. Yeah. It was a bit like I mean, if it gets that, I'll be fine with it. If that movie gets Best Picture, what's it going against for Best Picture? Um, okay, so Best Picture: Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, you just not, I did. I just saw it. It's not going to win. No, it's not going to win. But I, I fucking love the movie, The That's Irishman, which I don't want to win. It's yeah. it's fine, but it's I, like I, I started it. I'm probably not going to finish it. Like every time I see a poster for that movie, it's like from Martin Scorsese, like the greatest living American film director. And my whole my thought is, have none of you fuckers seen a Steven Spielberg movie? Mm-hmm. Like. Okay, admittedly, I or had... go watch Silence and then tell me that again. <laughs> That's exactly the no. movie that ruined me. 
Just three hours of just direct Catholic guilt. Yes, injected straight into <laughs> straight my veins. Into your eyeballs. Ugh, I hate it. No, but it's like, I mean, it's, Spielberg is a better, like, I'm not going to say a better filmmaker, but the one thing the best thing is that Spielberg is the one, he's still on his game. Like, the movies he's making now are maybe aren't, like, the best he's ever made, but they're still pretty damn solid. Yeah. Except for the BFG. Um, Agreed. Yeah. But, like, he has such a much a, a wide variety of films. Like, he's done all every genre you can imagine basically and done them all super well whereas marty just keeps making fucking gangster films not the irishman jojo rabbit i would love to win it's I not would, going to no same i would love for it to win yeah that's that we, we talked about it, it oh my, could you imagine taika giving an award speech yes i want to see it it would be <laughs> like the most like charming self-deprecating speech ever yeah and, and that that'd is, be going against brad pitt's charming self-deprecating speech from what last week Oh, from the Golden Globes? Yeah. Yeah, he gave a good speech. And then, of course, one of the all-time greats is Olivia Coleman winning last year for yes. Best Actress. That was a great she, one. Oh, my God. <laughs> her end of her speech. Oh, my God, Lady Gaga. I love her. <laughs> uh, okay, so then Joker, Hard yeah. Pass. Little Women, which I've heard is great, but I have yet to I, see. I did watch it. Okay. It's it's fine. Okay. I, I do want to check it out at some point. I'm very mm -hmm. curious about it. Uh, Marriage Story, have you? I haven't. I, I, yeah, I'm not I haven't watched it. that one yet either. 1917. I, I think it's probably going to... I haven't watched yet, but from what I've heard, that's going to be the winner. I hope it is. I really enjoyed that movie. Okay. Um, saw it... Oh, I forgot that I saw that. I can plug it <laughs> later on. It's really good. I'll get into why, but it's really, really good. Okay. It's excellent. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I would also like to see Win. I don't think it will. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like the Academy just has like a vendetta against Tarantino. I mean... Just because he's so vocal about everything. Kind of a raging a-hole. Yeah. And I I love his movies. I don't like him. Yeah. Although, actually, now I think about it. I literally just had a dream last night. This is now coming back to me. Where he and I were like sitting at a dining table. Like in some, some diner having a chat. As I think that's the only way he communicates ever. Is, is at, at, at diners? Is <laughs> in a diner somewhere. It's the only way he'll ever talk. Yeah. That's not true. He can't get him to shut up. Uh, and we were talking about what his Star Trek script would have been. Oh. And it was... Okay, so very famously in the original series of Star Trek, there's an episode where uh, a really young Clint Howard plays like a baby, like this really young kid who's like a genius, and he has this this robot. It starts with a B. It's like the Babok or something. I can't remember what it's called. But the, the idea was that his Star Trek script was going to barely have the crew in it at all. And it was going to focus on just like that kid and like what that kid's life was like and how he came to like build this thing. Okay. I mean, this none of this is real. This is what yeah. I imagined as I was dreaming. It's a very detailed dream. It is. I was, and I don't know. Really usually retain my dreams. I was yeah. kind of surprised by this. Um, I mean, that has nothing to do with anything. But then the the last film is Parasite. I I have I've had it queued up <clears throat> for all week, and I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. It's good. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's weird to call it intense because it's not intense in the way that word would normally be used, but I found it really captivating. But you're also just like, holy fuck, what is going on? Like, I, it's really hard to describe, but it's, it's, well, it's one of those when, when I'm on Fandango and they have the, like the genres next to each movie, mm -hmm. uh, that one and, and the gentleman both were like, it's comedy, adventure, thriller, uh, drama. And I'm like, you can't be all of those. It kind of is yeah. though. It really like it's a it's not a horror film, but it has elements that feel almost like a horror film. Mm -hmm. But it also is weirdly like satirical at times too. 
it's it's a strange film, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I wouldn't be upset if it won because I think that would make a good statement in terms of trying to go for a different film. I think Yeah, and especially an international film winning. Yeah, I I I would have to double check this and Jason, I'm sure, is yelling at me right now, but I'm pretty sure that would be the first time ever a foreign language film was won Best Picture. Didn't Roma? No, no. Roma didn't. That's right. No, <clears throat> Green Book. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that would be the case. Okay. Um, yeah, because mm. Spirited Away was only nominated. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't know. I'd have to double check that. But I mean, I, I would be intrigued by that. Um, let's see. Any other major nominations we're talking about? Uh, okay, yeah, probably go to Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. Let's pick our predictions here. Lead actress, uh, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan, Little Women, Charlize Theron, Bombshell, Renee Zellweger, Judy. Uh, knowing the Academy, it's probably going to go to Judy. I think so as well. Uh, I would love for it to go to, uh, to, uh, Scorchy from Little Women. What's her name? <laughs> Saoirse Ronan. Scorchy Ronan. Yeah. I'm not going to indulge you on that one. Uh, let's see. Supporting actor, Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Brad Pitt. It could go to any of them, really. I would love if it went to Brad Pitt. Yeah. Has he's he, has so he ever good. won an Oscar? I don't think so, no. I don't think he's either. But God damn it, is he great in that film. He's mm-hmm. so, so good. I feel like... Uh, if I had a guess, maybe Joe Pesci? Oh, I was going to just go with the standard Tom Hanks. I feel like it's one of those whenever he's nominated, he almost always wins. I would love it if he did. Love yeah. Me some Tom Hanks. Uh, supporting actress, Kathy Bates, Laura Dern, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, Margot Robbie. Probably Laura Dern. I'd love... Oh, Margot Robbie was great in Bombshell. I'd really like it if she won. I, see, I would go for Scarlett Johansson. I'm normally not... Not that from, I dislike from her. Uh, from Judge Rabbit. Oh, yeah. I, like, I'm not... I don't dislike her, but I'm not necessarily a huge fan. I never walk away going like, oh my God, like I love that movie because Scarlett Johansson was in it. And I absolutely felt that way about Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. I thought she was so good in that movie and so charming. Yeah. That, that's how I feel with Margot Robbie and, and not, not charming, but like. A charismatic. Yeah. She, her character is the one that's just like, doesn't really get it. Like, oh, okay. It's, yeah. It's, uh, like everyone else in the, in the Fox world, especially like the people she interacts with in that movie. They're all like, oh, no, this is just a job. Like, we don't believe any of this that we're saying. This is yeah. just a job. And she's like, what do you mean? Like, my whole family, that was our thing. It's every night we turn on Fox News. It's horrifying. Yeah. Uh, and, like, she, she's like she's the one that has, like, the world break around her in the movie. Okay. And she, oh, like, plays it off really well. I mean, she is a phenomenal actress. Mm-hmm. So I and and I did talk about it last time where... She was definitely in the midst of Southern accent training while oh, filming yeah. Harley Quinn. <laughs> Getting ready for Harley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Director, Scorsese, Todd Phillips, Sam Mendes, Quentin Tarantino, Bong Joon-ho. Oh, it's probably going to go to Todd Phillips. I, I'm, I think it might go to Sam Mendes for 1917. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because the whole movie is like gorgeous. It's, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's a simulated one, mm-hmm, one essentially shot. one shot. Um but the movie looks absolutely spectacular. Performances are great. It directing's weird. Directing's like a nebulous thing to evaluate. It's mm-hmm. kind of just overall like, is someone here doing really good tone management? Are they able to like really bring out the best of their their department heads? Yeah, and I think that of all of them really showcases it the most because that movie is fucking gorgeous. And uh, Roger Deakins was a DP on it. If he doesn't win, it's a goddamn crime. Isn't he the one that always wins? 
No, he's the one that never wins. Oh, okay. No, no. So uh, Alejandro Inarritu. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. No, no. So Alejandro no, no, Inarritu is the director. Uh, sorry, he's the director. Chivo Lubeski. Is that the cinematographer? Yes. Okay. He's the one who won three years in a row. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he and his work is amazing, but Deacons finally won for. I'm pretty sure it was Blade Runner 2049. But yes. he'd been nominated like yeah, yeah, 13 yeah. times and never won. He did Skyfall. Mm-hmm. That movie is so gorgeous. On that note, we should talk about your oh, world. Oh, yeah, I know. How have we <laughs> gone this far before talking about James Bond? Yeah, because I was the one that brought this up to you. You did. Yeah, we got the announcement of who will be singing the title track for mm-hmm. No Time to Die, and it will be Billie Eilish. Yes. Do you, are you are you a Billie fan? I really are love her song. Are you an eyes head? <laughs> is that what, people, is that what nope. they call themselves? No. Uh, give, me, give me an episode to workshop it, and then I'll, I'll come up with something better. Um, no, uh, I love her song Bad Guy. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. I haven't listened to a lot of the rest of her stuff. I think I sat down one day to like start listening to her album and I was almost immediately bored. Her, her music is, is very peculiar. Okay. And a lot of people have called her like the, like start of the start of the anti-pop mu- movement. Okay. Interesting. Um, but she, she's done movie soundtracks before. So her, her first big song when she was like 14 or something was a song called Ocean Eyes, mm-hmm. which was, uh, what, what movie was that attached to? I don't know. It's a beautiful song. It's very, like, hypnotizing. Oh, and I feel like that's I mean, what that's... this, I feel like that's what's going to happen with. Um, no Time with, to Die? Yeah, it's going to be like this very hypnotic, um, very almost like trippy visuals. Mm. I mean, look, it could be interesting. Obviously, when this was announced, I had many people message me, you included, um, all like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And my response is always, it's a very typical choice for Bond. Like, it's an atypical choice in terms of tone, mm-hmm. but it's typical of the Broccoli's to pick something that's popular. Like, pick an artist that's super yeah, popular. Yeah, they did Adele. They did Sam Smith. Yeah. Um, um, like, even back Madonna. In, yeah. God, that was still, <laughs> still a weird one to this day. That must have been Guy Ritchie's influence somehow. Was that Die Another Day? That was Die Another Day, right, yeah. That was, my, that was my first Bond film. Uh, oh, tell you that? I'm so sorry. Yeah. Because I, I, on, I honestly only remember that title sequence. I couldn't tell you yeah. another thing about that movie. The rest of the movie is not song. very good. Uh, it's funny. I actually just rewatched that with CJ. Okay. He was doing a James uh, Bond <laughs> Brosnathon. <laughs> and we watched it together and it was wonderful <laughs> shitting all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even back in the 90s, like uh, for Tomorrow Never Dies, Katie Lang has this amazing song called Surrender, which they play over the closing credits. But then they got Sheryl Crow, who was much more popular, <laughs> to do the main theme song, which isn't just quite as good. Um, there are other examples, too, for Quantum of Solace. They ultimately went with Jack White's uh, duet with Alicia Keys, Another Way to Die, which it's mm-hmm. a fun song, but maybe not a great Bond song. Yeah. Now, it was heavily rumored that um, Amy Winehouse was supposed to do that song before she tragically oh, passed okay, away. Yeah. Um, but even then, the composer, David Arnold, recorded a song called No Good About Goodbye with Shirley Bassey, who has done three Bond themes before that. And it's like, including Goldfinger, like she is the singer for a Bond song. Mm-hmm. It's great. Okay. It's so much better. And they didn't go with it. And they did that again with Spectre. They had a great Radiohead song. So much better than the Sam Smith song, which is Garbage. Yeah, wasn't a fan of that one. So I'm I'm a little bit worried that this was just like, they did it because it was a popular artist, because of the youngest one ever, makes a statement, hey, Bond is new and young and fresh, even though it's the 25th movie. And Well, here, here's my uh, other thought with that is Billy, one is like her and her brother, all, all the songs she writes are between her and her brother. Yeah. Uh, there's no like outside studio help, which mm-hmm. is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, but she's also super well connected in like 
the music video director world. And so oh, okay. I'm wondering if they're going to give her or her connections any power in the title sequence. So most recently, she teamed uh, up with this Japanese maybe. Uh, this Japanese artist, uh, Takashi Murakami, mm-hmm. who's like this crazy, crazy Japanese fashion designer. I feel like I've heard that name before. Uh, who decided that he wanted to start making music videos. And so he did one of Billy's more recent songs. Mm-hmm. And it's just this trippy hodgepodge of madness. It's, it's a gorgeous video. Yeah. Uh, but it'd be really interesting to see if like they gave her team a little bit of influence in the visuals alongside the movie. I, I don't know how they approach the visuals. I know that I think for all of the Craig era, and I feel like even preceding that a little bit, Daniel Kleinman's been the guy who does the design on it. Mm-hmm. I have to double check if he did Casino Royale, which I think is one of the greatest oh, the of best all one. time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's, it's such a huge departure, but it's one of the best. Who did the title? Who did the song for that? Uh, that was Chris Cornell of Audio Slave. Oh yeah, I know, mm-hmm. I know. R.I.P. Um, that's a great, great title sequence. But I, I, just from what I know of how that franchise is put together, I would be skeptical about that. Yeah, I think even this will be interesting, given what you just said about how her songs are very. Uh, designed inside like a, a vacuum sort of mm-hmm. maybe to some degree i'm sure she has some sort of producing influence here and there but yeah i mean this is a situation where it's always been a little bit unclear how much influence the filmmakers have both the producers but then also then the like the journeyman director they bring in so in this case it's kiri fukunaga so i would assume that he was influential in deciding how to go in terms of the singer because it's the tone he's setting mm-hmm. but i i mean maybe it, it might be it'd be interesting to see if they would shake up that much because I feel like maybe sometimes you can get away with having a, a slightly unusual song, but you have to kind of balance it out with having a slightly more usual visual cue. Okay. Um, I think a good a good example of that is Casino Royale, totally different visually than any other title sequence before. But Chris Cornell, his song kind of feels of a similar vibe as like Goldfinger. I think Tom Jones' Thunderball is a good callback there. And you look at Quantum of Solace and that is a more traditional looking bond type, like visual sequence, but then the song is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And then of course, Skyfall is like the greatest version of a modern bond title sequence ever. Yeah. Have I talked about James Bond enough at this point? <laughs> I, I, do you feel, do you feel good? Did, did, did you get can, out of your system? There is no such thing as me getting out of my system. Okay. I just have to self-censor at a certain I was like, point. Can we, cause I have, if, if, if we could, we can turn your switch off and I can turn my switch on for a minute. What's your, what I you? have Disney news. <laughs> This is what happens when we take two, when we take a week off. Is, is we, our, our self parody just builds up? Yeah. to the point of overflowing. Yes. <laughs> oh God! I thank you for anyone who's still listening. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll try and keep mine short, but we had two pieces of news and then one, uh, one thing that that's kind of been like not fully confirmed yet, but I want to talk okay, about it's it anyway. Simmering. Yes. In the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the two confirmed things. Both of which I'm pretty disappointed by. Uh, the first one is we we got confirmation on the next live action, <laughs> uh, live action animated treatment, and it's Bambi. What I love is 
Saturday Night Live made this joke. I know, and it was so years, good years ago. It was the it was it's one of my favorite SNL bits. Yeah, it was uh, the uh, the Fast and Furious crew remaking Bambi as a live action yeah. action film <laughs> with, with Dwayne Johnson as Bambi. Yeah, and Vin Diesel as Thumper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and we're he, gonna go thumping, thumping, uh, and he's. Like it, it, the whole movie ends up becoming him like hunting down the the hunter who yeah, killed his mom, which is like the <laughs> like such a great joke. And so the fact that they're still doing a live action version of this movie, a version that like like didn't even do well back in the day. Like Bambi was a no. was a, was a no Bambi, Bambi make the money. I'm trying to remember the order. Snow White made the money. Pinocchio didn't. Fantasia didn't. Bambi did, Dumbo didn't. Okay, so okay. Bambi did yeah. make the money. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's it's just... Uh, talk about self-parody. It's like... Yeah. Well, th- this this is them still trying to take hold of their vault system. Yeah. So all through the 60s, 70s, and 80s, Disney continued to just rake in money in the background by re-releasing their movies. Mm-hmm. As everyone knows, the horrible idea of the Disney vault. Um and it, uh, it's a genius tactic, but now that we have streaming available and everything is at our fingertips, they can't have that system set up anymore. No. So they're just kind of pushing it overboard by now re-releasing the movies just in a slightly different medium. Right. Um, okay. So I have a question for you then. Uh, yes. Of the Disney animated movies that have been made, mm-hmm. which one would you actually want to see them take a stab at? Mulan. The one that's coming out next. But we just talked about the fact that it doesn't look very good. Yes. But it's the only one that I thought had... Because pr- it's the one that has the least magic of any movie. Which they, they, they then put more magic. And they put more magic, put magic, magic into yeah. it. Um, I guess I'm trying to... I mean... Chicken I, Little. Right. <laughs> when no one saw. Because I'm with you on that. I think mm-hmm. Mulan was the one like, okay, this is a film where you can lean a little more heavily into a genre. Like the, the animated movie itself has a lot of action in it. So really make it like a big scale epic action movie mm-hmm. which they've done but then they had to like i guess they felt they had to throw magic in it to make it disney more disney i guess because i, I think know. atlantis would be the next big one i'd want i could see that yeah, one could, I could be see, great i could see atlantis working really well because mm-hmm. th- that's a movie that could exist in a very similar capacity as a live action film and maybe not be that different i know mm-hmm. like is it pixar whose ethos is if we're gonna make a movie we should justify why it has to be an animated movie uh, or we should make it because it can only be made as an animated movie. Well, that, that quote was, was for BTOS, I believe. Well, I mean, yeah, they applied that method talking about trying to put one big action sequence. Yeah. In there, but I, I they they could only be animated. I thought something with Disney too. Like, that was part it, of their It could be a Pixar thing. Methodology. I mean, P- Pixar's method used to be, um, what was the hardest thing? What was the thing we had the most trouble with in this movie? Our next movie is going to be based solely on that. Okay, yeah. So for uh, Toy Story, the hardest thing was like natural movement. So the next movie all took place outside, and it was all it was all Bugs Life. Mm-hmm. Then after that, it was um, I was like uh, I don't remember, I think it was Humans. Um, I know. Didn't they do Monsters Inc. because they wanted to see how they could do fur? Yeah. Yeah. So fur was for Monsters Inc. Uh, they were having trouble getting realistic hair, so that was brave. Um, uh, human again, humans were for Incredibles as well. Um, they'd never done space, so then we got Wally. 
you know, there, there was like a subtle reason behind each of the next, like the mm-hmm. next films. I was looking through the list of animated movies that I mm-hmm. want to see adapted. I have found my choice. Robin Hood. No. Rescuers. No, I mean, ah. Uh, Grand Mouse Detective. I mean, that is my favorite one of all time, but <laughs> it would just be Sherlock Holmes the I same know. way that if you do like a live action uh, Robin Hood, it's just. Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, would I feel slightly less weird about being sexually attracted to Robin Hood if he were a CG? Let's not get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, no. It depends who voiced it. I know my choice. Absolutely. And it's John Hamm. And it's it has to be John Hamm, obviously. Uh, the Aristocats. <laughs> Great choice. I, I just rewatched The Aristocats. <laughs> I that is one of my favorites. But also, um, basically, let's just do Cats the movie, mm-hmm. but Aristocats. Have we have we talked about how uh, my my conspiracy theory is is Cats is meant to be bad because Sony wanted it to become the next Rocky Horror? No, but that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, they, we haven't had a cult like a. a classic cult film like cat or room or the room sent to the room in 2004 yeah and so i think sony um knew if they just like overly promoted this as the greatest movie everyone would hate it yeah but it would just simmer in the back of our minds forever and so they're going they're playing the long game to just always make money off of this movie i mean look it's not a bad call uh i was talking with um our friend Murray, and she was saying that they do these things like the Alma Draft House is mm-hmm. rowdy screenings of cats. Oh, so you can amazing. go and like everyone's drinking and everyone's like throwing balls of yarn and talking like you know it's it's basically our experience watching The Rise of Skywalker, but intentional. Yeah, and those sell out. Every single one of them is sold out, and no one is going to see just the normal. That doesn't surprise version. me. Yeah, because you want you're going for the party. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would go to one. I think. Actually, there's real movies I want to see first, I would imagine. But I, I yeah. really love your theory, and I'm totally on board with it. it. It's totally going to be, it, it's 100% going to be, it already is the next Rocky Horror. Yeah. Oh, my God, so fantastic. Uh, uh, so, so one more tangential piece of disappointing Disney news is um, alongside live-action Bambi, we also got a director for another live-action film. We're getting Robert Zemeckis directing the live-action Pinocchio. Oh, that's which right. Which, again, fuck you, Disney. Pinocchio, one, almost bankrupt your company back in 1939. Uh, two, ruined the career of, who was that? That super famous actor uh, who did Pinocchio and then oh, never Jonathan did Oh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Again. Was that JGT? No, yeah. no, no. The, it was like an adult playing Pinocchio. Oh, And he um, was like a famous... Roberto Benigni. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he like never did anything after that because the fans were so mean to him. Well, I mean... I mean, uh, I think he also fell into the same trap that some actors do where they go in, they win an Oscar mm-hmm. for doing something amazing. He did Life is Beautiful. I know, which I saw. It's great. It is great. Yeah. And then I think sometimes those actors then just like, they can never quite get back to that again. I think like Adrian Brody's another example. Oh, yeah. Like Halle Berry, Cuba Gooding Jr. Halle Berry, she's, she's coming back. No, she is. She was great in John Wick 3, mm-hmm. which I didn't love, but she is great in that. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them though, they're just like, they kind of hit this peak and then they're like, they just can't quite come back from it. But I, yeah, I did remember, um, wait, was Roberto Benigni the actor or the director on that? I think both. I think he was like he may have producer, it. lead actor. I, I think he was like super, super involved in it. And the movie just bombed. Roberto Benigni, Pinocchio. So like this movie, I, I might, I'm going to say Pinocchio is a cursed film. He, he did, uh, direct it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
eh, it just didn't look very good. But Jonathan Taylor Thomas did do a version of this in the early mid nineties. Okay, I mean that that was the JTT time. It really was. Um, so I was just thinking about the, one of my favorite scenes. Uh, it may have even been an outtake, but it was from Home Improvement, right? And so obviously it's an ABC show, so they had Disney stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And so one of the episodes, it's uh, Tim Allen, his characters, his nieces are playing with a bunch of toys. Mm-hmm. And there's a Simba and there's a Buzz. And I can't... Amazing. I, I, either the scene was in the show or it was an outtake or I've invented it. But in my mind, a scene existed where... Uh, Tim Allen's like, oh, yeah, you should play with Buzz Lightyear. And then JT, Jonathan Taylor Thomas comes up and is like, oh, no, you should play with Simba. That's funny. I like that. <laughs> but there was an outtake of uh, Tim Allen holding the doll and it goes, I am Buzz Lightyear. It's like, no, I am Buzz Lightyear. And it's like, <laughs> God damn it. Oh, the 90s. Despite his politics, I love him. Yeah. Uh, I have one more piece of news that you are welcome to cut out if we're going too long already. That's eh, fine. Um, and it revolves, obviously, around Disneyland, because what else do I talk about nowadays? Uh, and it's specifically the Smuggler's Run ride mm-hmm. that we both started off, or especially ex- for me, loving that ride when I started riding it, and now has become one of my least favorite rides because it's, of the uh, the group experience. Yes, it's only good if you have a full crew who knows what they're doing, and let's be honest, it's only really good if you're a pilot. And right. even then, it's only great if you get to pull the hyperdrive lever. Right, yeah. Being So if you're going to Disneyland, you want to be the top right pilot. Yeah. Because uh, then you get to, to pull the the, the lever. Oh, um, it's so good. It's so satisfying. It is. Yeah, I, I wish it had a little bit of pull to it. Yeah, uh, it's a, it, it goes a little bit too smoothly, Yeah. to be fair. There, there's, no little, there's no give to it. But uh, it's like, because I, I love turning on one of the lightsabers. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that is a great experience. I think the hyperdrive lever is just that much better. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it feels good. It does. Uh, so from what I learned about the ride recently is uh, we're supposed to get three missions all based from Solo. Ugh. Yeah. So I think they were expecting Solo to make more money than it did huh. or be, have a little bit more fan love than it did. And it obviously didn't. Nope. So the, the current mission that we have and the only mission we have is, is uh, similar to the train heist from Solo where you're hijacking the train to mm-hmm. to get quaxium yeah uh we were also supposed Isn't to it get it coaxium what did i say quaxium no coaxium coaxium yeah coaxium not quaxium i'm i'm leaving a space in there <laughs> you did not the first time coaxium you said, said qua- it you said quaxium quaxium <laughs> you just it's said it's <laughs> you just now said quaxium. it's what fuels howard the duck quaxium <laughs> um coaxium thank you uh and we were supposed to get a second mission based around uh, the spice run. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, the castle run? Yeah, the castle run mm-hmm. to get the, the spice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third mission, I don't know what it was supposed to be. But rumor is right now is instead of getting those two missions, we're going to get some kind of Mandalorian-themed mission. I mean, that would make sense given how popular that show has been. Yes. I mean, I, I would say that that has been the most successful piece of Star Wars probably to come out of the Disney era. Absolutely. I mean, in terms of like pop culture presence, Mm -hmm. I mean, the force awakens is a huge deal when it came out, but I don't think it necessarily got all the love. It was a bit of a mixed bag. Oh no. Yeah. I I would say Mandalorian is the most loved. Yeah. I'd say Star Wars property that's come out. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, my vote is episode six. I would say 
Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. My, I mean, uh, look, I love Rogue One. I think Rogue One's better than The Mandalorian, but I did love The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you, I, and it's not even just like what we, because I would say that for me it'd be the Tarnakovsky series. But the Tarkovsky, yeah. Um, but you just started watching. I I just started watching clone the the new clone wars yeah the cg clone wars yeah so i, I i'm almost on a season one so we, we were going to talk have you, about have you been watching it in the correct order yes i okay. found the right order good very good. um and it basically season one is, is pretty much the same i there was like three episodes out of order you watch yeah it's kind of in the middle work it's a bit messy yeah um so the the tra- the new trailer did come out i have not watched it yet yeah because i i just started the series um but but yeah, we're supposed to get some. the The rumor is we're supposed to get a Mandalorian mission for the ride. But the problem with that is it slightly breaks the continuity of the world because Mandalorian is supposed to take place between six and seven. Yeah, and that's true. the park is or Galaxy's Edge is supposed to live between eight and nine. Yeah, um, and so people are are questioning like how well that's going to hold up, mm-hmm. uh, especially because people want a Mandalorian meet and greet. Yeah. Uh, and like a baby Yoda meet and greet because people would fucking lose their minds. Do you think in they will drop the the specific world building element of a very specific timeline in favor of Well so so here's the backup plan they've already set for themselves is they still have Star Wars launch bay over in Tomorrowland. They do. So I think if we have a Mandalorian meet and greet, they're going to make a special section just for that and Baby now, Yoda over there. I will say this, though. They already break their own continuity by having Kylo Ren in his Force Awakens garb walking around the park. Because he would have to be between 8 and 9, so he would have destroyed his helmet and not yet rebuilt it. And even when he rebuilds it, it's all scarred up. So That's that true. alone breaks it. Mm-hmm. So I think that they they I think they care enough to try and like make that world still feel cohesive, but I mean not enough that they haven't already broken their own rules. Yeah. So we'll probably get a Mandalorian. I mean, they'd be so dumb not to. Mm-hmm. It'd be so easy to do a Mandalorian meet and greet. And then the baby Yoda thing would be a bit more complicated. Cause obviously that puppet is real. And I think it costs $5 million. I think I read it. Well, point. I mean, but, but at the same time we have a BB eight meet and greet over at Disney world. Yeah. And we have, we have R2 ba- now we have an R2 that, that roams around the park, but also we already have a baby group meet and greet as well. They do. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think that's also at world or maybe at Epcot. Well, uh, where would they have it at Epcot? Because the only iteration of the um... the ride is here. Yeah. Yes. But we're getting a Guardian themed restaurant oh, and that's ride right. set up in Epcot. That's right. This year. That's right. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they'll do it. Yeah. Oh, they, absolutely. They're they're do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be so dumb not to. Yeah. And there, there were a couple other small things that that are rumored to come out throughout the rest of this year for. Um, Galaxy's Edge, but we'll get into that later. The other big thing is I rode the ride. Yes, and it's you did. Fucking awesome. Yes, I know. I know. You were uh, amongst the first group to do it. Yes, too, right? I, was, I was one of the first fifty people to to ride the new Star Wars ride that came out two weeks ago, and it's it was magical. Worth it, the wait. It, it yeah. So we got there. I'll, I'll I'll try and speed through the the, the story. Uh, we rented a hotel that night, mm-hmm. so we stayed at the Grand Californian Thursday night. My friend got very drunk. And was not my problem at 4 a.m. But we got up at 4 a.m. I got up at 4 a.m. to go wait in line while it was raining. Yeah. Uh, there were probably about 200 people already there in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, by 6 a.m., the entire Esplanade was full. Yeah. So they started letting us in the parks. So there were probably 2,000 people by that point. Uh, and then at 7.30, 30, 
the entirety of Main Street was already full. Mm-hmm. So there had to have been about 10,000 people there already. So they moved us a little further in. So we were in front of Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Uh, and right when it hits eight, it's basically a digital lottery at the moment to get a boarding pass to go wait in line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somehow we got boarding group 12. And Disney's doing this smart, th- this thing that I didn't even think about, which is so smart on their por- part, which is they're not starting at boarding group one ever, is every oh, day starts at a different number. So you don't know. Yeah. So it stops people from just like crowding out front of the ride, waiting to be the first ones on. Mm. And I'm like, that's so smart. That's really smart. Yeah. So the, on that Friday, boarding group 12 was the first group let on. So we got on and like all the camera crews were there. All the cameras, so like R2, Chewy. And Ray were out front to greet us as we went on the God. ride. And then we got off. The ride itself was amazing. I'm, I'm not going to talk about any of that because you haven't ridden it yet. I have not yet. I have not had a chance to go. And don't watch any spoilers for it. If, if anyone's going to Disneyland or World this year, don't. don't. I mean, even if you watch the spoilers, you're living in. I do want to point out, I think for most people, they're not going to come across Disneyland ride spoilers. I, I just want to point out the reality of the situation. You're right. I'm sorry. I, mean, I, I think, live in a I very... Think, I think the Imagineering story you said at one point does cover some of it, right? It does. The The last 15 minutes of the last episode... Is it five or six? Or f- six. Episode okay. six, right. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so they they do that, go into it. But, yeah, don't okay. watch that yet. But otherwise, I think most people will probably be safe. That's true. You're right. Yeah, most I, people don't have ride POVs pop up and they're recommended on YouTube nope. like I do. Um but even if you do watch one of the POVs, you, you live in a Star Wars movie for 20 minutes. Like, that, that is the That's best amazing. way to explain how this ride is. And then when we got off the ride, uh, the entire Imagineering team that built the ride was waiting for us at the exit. Fuck, and they so were, cool. like, applauding us for getting through the ride. And it was just such a magical experience. I'm really glad you got to experience that. Yes, and I can't wait for you to experience I, it. I am excited. I'm, I want to go down there soon. It's a matter of finding the time. Yes. Maybe letting the uh, the crowd die down mm-hmm. just a tiny little bit, if I can. Yeah. Okay. But I think that's all the news. I now think... that we're 40 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Well, uh, you know, we have things to say, but maybe not that much to say about these episodes. But um, yes. Yeah, so we are talking about the season two premiere mm-hmm. of Static Shock, the episode The Big Leagues Introduction of Static Shock into the larger DC animated universe with guest stars The Joker, Batman, and Robin. Yes. Actually, and brief cameo appearances, Bullock and Detective Gordon. That's right, at the very end. Gordon, yeah. Um, I mean, this... So this episode is out of order. I will say this now. Why is it out of order? Uh, Because the... the, Also, you're out of order? This whole court is out of order? You're out of order. (laughs) Please continue. Um... (laughs) Because the characters we meet in this episode don't actually get introduced until next week's episode, the, the most important episode of Static Shock, the Shack episode. Is that when we meet, what's the Kanga guy's name? Uh, Kangor. Kangor. So we meet Kangor, but, Ferret, and, um, oh, and so th- they're both subordinates under their own leader, uh, whose name, uh, like, H- Hyde, Hyde. Oh, okay. So Hyde, so the, the, the kind of gang leaders, Hyde is equal to Ebon mm-hmm. of this new meta gang. Okay. Yeah. Because was it Shiv mentions that Ebon's still in prison in this episode? Yeah. So both Hyde and Ebon are in prison. So that's why they're teaming up with Joker. Okay. Um, yeah. so we meet Kangor and, uh, okay. Ferret. Okay. Cause the episode starts with Ferret, like who is no Carmen Dillo. I will say that right now, <laughs> right now, 
Ferret is no Carmandillo, and I can't believe they tried you, to replace him with this. You mean Armadillon? <laughs> Armadillon. <laughs> yeah, it opens with him like harassing a farmer's market, and then uh, Static chases him until he's rescued by a mysterious figure who releases uh, balloons with smiley faces on them that explode and release green Who could gas. it be? Who could it possibly be? And then, of course, we very quickly realize it is the Joker who uh, has gotten tired of constantly getting busted by Batman in Gotham City. And all of his crew has been put away in Arkham at this point, presumably including Harley Quinn. And so he heads off to Dakota City to wrangle up a group of bang babies to become his new crew. And so he has a lot of the big names so far. Yeah. So he's got Hot Streak, Talon, mm-hmm. Shiv. Yep. And then uh, he attempts to recruit Ferret, who turns him down and he gets Joker gassed. Mm-hmm. And then... like. Kanga- Kangor. Thank you. I can never remember his name. Mm-hmm. Um, is that all of them? I yes. Think? Yeah. So, I mean, a good crew. Like some of the you know returning favorites show up. Um, but then unsurprisingly, if Joker shows up in town, Batman's not going to be too far behind him. Um, oh, wh- there, there's, a, there's a sentence that the Joker says, which I loved. Mm. Uh, as he's explaining to Ferret, he says... Uh, uh, oh, I, I, I had the t- word typed out and it just spelt it wrong uh my can yeah my candry of cronies were cast into the clink oh like, yeah that's, that's good that's good joker good, good mean, on you mark hamill you kind of not forget how good he is but whenever he shows up again you're reminded mm-hmm. of how good he is and his ability to just flick between goofy and effervescent and menacing and like he will put the menacing emphasis on a word you would not expect. And it just makes the whole thing seem that much more unsettling and creepy. And for a a show that is so aimed at kids, he brings that threat level that you don't get. And we talked about this a little bit, that the villains in the show are, are fun and totally consistent with the show, but maybe not always great. I think they're giving good character arcs, but Mm -hmm. the, the personalities aren't always quite there. And then he shows up and you're like, God damn it. Like this, like, is, this is the perfect character. Yeah, this is a masterpiece of villainy. Yeah. He's just so damn good. Yeah. <sighs> and it, it, it almost, I don't want to say it brings the other villains down, but like you said, it, it does show like where the level should be mm-hmm. and where everyone else is at. Yeah. But I think that's but, not the point of this show. Right. And then I would only say, I would also say that's only for these few episodes because once when we see him in justice league, and even when we see Mark Hamill playing um, Trickster, Trickster, yeah, it's the same way. It's once we get to Justice League, everyone is on that level. No, they really are. And I also love that this introduces, I think, the definitive animated version of the Joker, mm-hmm. which is it has a bit more of the uh, the angularness of the new Batman Adventures design, but the face is a little bit closer to the original series and the fact that he's got the the big eyes and he's got lips again. Yeah. And so this is the version we see in Return of the Joker and this is the version that we, of course, see in Justice League and it is definitely the best of them. Um, I think it's, it, it makes him feel appropriately expressive in a way that new Batman adventure, uh, unfortunately, limited him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he looks so good. Yeah. Uh, I also love that they give him a almost joker theme in this like they have a a, an in episode um musical motif like a leap motif for him but Mm -hmm. it's not actually the joker theme from batman animated series okay because i i heard the new batman score at the end of the episode um 
I'm not sure if that was new Batman score because I was listening to it. And weirdly enough, I don't think it's even the Beatoss score. It, I knew it wasn't Beatoss, so I just assumed it was new Batman. It's the 89 movie. Oh, okay. Like, they're basically just pulling riffs from the 89 theme. Mm-hmm. More so than the animated series. I, look, and I But might, with the cool Static Shock instruments, whatever it, they use. It is use. a fun twist on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a little bit, like, Cynthian electronic. Um, and look, I'm probably wrong about that, but I'm, I mean, I, I feel pretty confident knowing my scores. I'm pretty damn sure that's the 89 score on this one. Of course, it got some trivia on it. Hmm. Um, but uh, so they uh, the the new Joker crew goes to steal fire trucks, in which they used to rob a bank. So I have a question on that. Uh huh. What? Why do you think they stole the fire trucks? Like, why do they use fire trucks specifically there? Well, they they modded the second one out to be that battering ram. Right. And the the first one they kind of make an attempt to hit static with water, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like he actually got incapacitated. I thought, oh, they chose fire trucks specifically because they have built-in water cannons. Hint, they don't. But in cartoons, they always have built-in water cannons. Yeah. And my thought was they did that specifically because they knew that was a weakness of statics. And so the Joker's like, oh, we're going to steal these because it has a built-in weapon to defend us against the one person in this town who can actually try and stop us. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really capitalize on it. Well, I think... I think they tried, but then Joker kind of has the the mark. I don't think he says it outright, but it's like these kids don't know how to, you know, like take down a take down a good guy. Right. So he just shoots a rocket at Static, basically. Yeah. But so equally as effective. I mean, equally effective, but not clever. Mm-hmm. And, and and he almost and I think that's why he like almost looks upset about using it because he, he's not like he doesn't have his like laugh when he fires. He doesn't no. like shoot off a pun with it at the same time. He's just like. Well, I'll, I guess I'll use this because my kids aren't getting this right. Yeah, it, it was just an odd beat. He's a disappointed father well, in this he's scene. He's always so disappointed. Yeah. It just was an odd beat for me because my other thought was, oh, maybe they stole the fire trucks because, like, so here's what I was thinking. A fire truck actually would make for a really good getaway vehicle. But only if you rob whatever you're robbing, the bank or whatever, and then you change into fireman's gear and then slip out on a fire truck, escaping the scene. But they did it in reverse. They showed up to the <laughs> bank in a fire truck, parked out front, were all dressed in fireman's garb, walk in. And then and take this, it off. <laughs> I feel like this whole thing was just a setup so that the security guard could ask, where's the fire? And a hot street could shoot it out of his hands. And it yell, 100% was <laughs> right the original here. joke. And they and they reverse engineered it. I Yeah, I was expecting it to be like a clever thing of like, oh, this this is the difference between these guys normally doing their thing and having the Joker show up. As Joker shows up and actually has a really methodical plan put in place. And he thinks things through the way others wouldn't. And then they didn't capitalize on that. I was a little bit disappointed by that. Mm-hmm. So then as... Uh, as they get away, Static finds Ferret in the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. Hit with Joker gas, brings him to the hospital. And then we meet, dun da 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 the doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Batman and Robin. <laughs> Who, of course, say the thing that everyone says when a Joker gas patient gets brought in, which is, oh, he's stabilizing. Let me know if his condition gets worse. Yeah. Walk and then away. they're gone. <laughs> Never to return again. Yeah. It's the night cruise problem now. Exactly. Yeah, and then, you know, it's it's funny because they have that, um, you know, like uh, that kind of button they end on before they go to commercial break where, of course, it's never, ever lightning storms in Dakota except for the one time they need Batman <laughs> to appear. So they have that flash of light and then, the, you know, it shows him and Robin. They cut away. I'm like, did anyone 
not think that's what was going to happen? Do we really think there's going to be a Joker episode without Batman? Uh, here, here's what I what I think happened is there wasn't actually a lightning storm outside, but they've rigged up the Batwing to have like a special <laughs> light that goes off as like an emergency situation. It, it just hovers over where they're going to be, mm-hmm. and it has built-in water fountains in the bottom of it, and just simulates well, no, we rain. Don't, we don't even see the water. It's just the flash of lightning. That's true. And yeah. so I think they have like a floodlight set up at the bottom of the of the Batwing that'll just like shudder super quick outside to give the idea that lightning or to, yeah, to give the idea of, of lightning. Is that also what happens in the original series opening too? It's not yes. an actual lightning strike. It's just the Batwing simulating it's only, it. Well, I mean, at least it, it rains a lot in Gotham. So yeah. he, he can, he can kind of time it himself, <laughs> but in Dakota where it's always bright and sunny and definitely not LA. Uh, Cause they're going through the sewers and it's definitely like the LA sewers. Oh yeah. Uh, like they, they have to kind of, Work with what they got. Yeah, ain't no rain there. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about them having the original Batwing design instead of the new Batman Adventures? I liked I, it. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's the new Batman costume design. So, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting thing to have in there. I'm sure Watch Our Database at some point has explained why that is and maybe found a way to like slot that into the timeline. But I just I thought that was interesting. They would mm-hmm. choose that Batwing design over the other one. Well, I mean, Dakota City is, is pretty far from Gotham. So maybe it's just like the new Batman Batwing just doesn't have the right mileage. I mean, that would make sense more <laughs> for the fact that that's the one he has in Justice League. Yeah, when he goes true. all over the world. That's true. You're right. I mean, he, he could modify it. Maybe like, yeah, you know, he's got time between all these things. Also, as the, uh, the self-described and oftentimes proven animation expert on the podcast, how did you feel about the way they animated Batman and Robin in this? Because obviously it's not the new Batman Adventures animation team. I, I still really enjoyed it. It wasn't quite as smooth and kind of fluid mm-hmm. as as it's not new a Batman. Yeah. Uh, but it's still good. I, I think the, the animation in this is great, minus... The old man in the next episode. Yeah, it's not great. I think he was disgusting. He's <laughs> really gross looking. Yeah. Oh, God. It's um, like they just forgot what wrinkles were, and they gave it. They gave him too many in the wrong spots. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how the human face looks. <laughs> yeah, that's not how... It's like... That, that face melted, for sure. That <laughs> face melted and was attempted to... Pepa- attempted to be put back together you know that um if you see that optical illusion like is it an old woman or mm-hmm. a young woman with a boa yeah that's what that face looks like on exactly. the old man <laughs> we'll, we'll get to it in a second which, which we'll get to um yeah but i mean like i don't know the, the rest of this kind of plays out the way you expect it to like batman and robin t- tell static to hold back they go in they get captured and the static has to rescue them mm-hmm. uh, it does have uh my i think the only uh reference in this episode is when he breaks into the Batwing when Static breaks into the Batwing to find Batman and Robin, uh, both him and Richie give horrible William Shatner impressions. I was here for it. Yeah. Yeah. As they told- I, I love it, but yeah. they were, they were really bad impressions. I mean, they are really good impressions because they are deliberately bad. That's true. And we've, I'm sure I've said it before that, uh, playing a bad actor is actually really, really hard to do. Uh, there was, wasn't there, wasn't there another Batman episode where like the it was com- voice controlled? Where am I getting this from? Maybe new ba- no, sorry, maybe Batman Beyond. Was there an episode? But like someone, uh, no, maybe I was. Uh, oh, was it Harley Quinn? Wasn't she still the Batmobile? Doesn't it? Isn't it voice controlled? Yes, it is. How caught up are you on Harley Quinn? 
Uh, I'm still only at episode like four. Okay, because in the ep- one of the episodes, she steals the Batmobile. Okay, and she realizes that it's voice controlled. And how she controls it is she just like plays bits of Batman voice <laughs> off her phone. Amazing. It's really that's clever. good. I, I did have one question for you. Yes, and it's when uh, when Batman and Robin are tied up, uh, and and they're getting the 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 villain speech from Joker. Mm-hmm. And and Robin turns to them and he says, considering your batting average, pauses, looks at Batman and he says, pardon the expression. Is that a joke about Jason Todd being beat to death? No, it's a joke about bats. Oh, that's 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 more accurate, isn't it? I get that one a lot more. Yeah, I was in a dark place watching this episode. Clearly. I mean, look. I, I was 100% sure. I'm like, holy shit, he just made a joke about his dead sidekick. I mean, okay, I'm going to poke some holes in this theory. Please do. One is it's never definitively established that Jason Todd exists in this universe. Correct. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Watchtower Database did an episode asking that exact question. I just don't think I, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But we never know definitively that he exists in this universe. Two... Jason Todd is beat to death with a crowbar. Yes, I know that. But maybe Not they rewrote it for this. <laughs> You're like, you know what? Yeah, okay. Uh, getting beaten to death by a crowbar is a little bit too violent for this kid's cartoon. Yeah, how about a, how, a bat? Do we, how do we feel about being beaten yeah. to death? A lot of kids don't know what a crowbar is. What if it yeah, just goes exactly. like a, a baseball bat? <laughs> now it's acceptable. Yeah. Put it out there. Totally fine with standards and practices. Um, no, that is definitely not there going for it, but I appreciate that your brain went to the, the darkest possible the, the solution, darkest, but also the least likely option first. Yeah. Uh, I always describe that as someone who, uh, sees a stop sign and thinks red, not stop. Like mm-hmm. you're not wrong. You're just not maybe thinking the thing you should be thinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that happens and then they, they convert the fire truck. Also, into, wait, hang on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? I love that were that true, <laughs> that that Robin would be so tactless. <laughs> yes, that's why I was so surprised by it. About his predecessor's horrific death. By the hands of the person they're talking exactly to. Exactly, by a beating. Because <laughs> I, I want that interaction where Robin does say that, and Joker just looks at him and just goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? It's like the Joker. It's like, like I wouldn't go that dark. Even by my standards, <laughs> that's messed up. Yeah. The whole uh was it the crossover with Joker and Red Skull? Where he's like, Yeah, I'm a psychopath, but I'm not a fucking Nazi. Not a fucking Nazi. <laughs> like, uh, Batman, do you want me to just take this one out too? He seems like he's already gone too far. Yeah. Like, maybe we're doing the world a service. By beating the shit out of him, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a bat joke, which went over my head. It's about bats. I get it now. Now I got it. Okay. Um, but yeah, the Joker has converted the the fire truck into being a, a mobile catapult, basically. Mm-hmm. And which, a, sure. A fight ensues inside of a like an old um, like uh, auto plant. Which I did love that that was in there. Like, Dakota City is supposed to be a stand-in for Detroit, so I love that they acknowledge that it's inside an old abandoned um, car manufacturing plant, as there are many of those now in Detroit. Yeah. So, 
Uh, so we got that. And then probably the most famous scene from this episode, I didn't realize it was from this episode, is the very end when Joker is trying to get up and he has the, the shock glove. Oh, yeah. And he, he thinks he's shaking Batman's hand and electrocuting him, but it's actually static. And static sends the shock back into him. Is that a super famous scene? Yeah, I see that scene all the time. Where? Just generic YouTube videos. But what? On my Disneyland POV <laughs> videos. <laughs> You're recommended yeah. next in your playlist? Mm -hmm. Wait, but you thought, you didn't realize it was from this episode? You didn't realize it was from Static Shock? No, I knew it was from Static. I forgot okay, it was so this I was like, episode. Because, you know, he's in that scene. It'd be hard for it to be in a different show. Yeah, but, but Static and Batman are in a couple episodes together. Okay, I guess that's true. But are there any more with the Joker in it, though? I don't think so. Okay. so but I, I guess just couldn't remember. By process of elimination, it would probably have to be this episode. Yeah, well, obviously my mind was in the right spot, as we've previously discussed. Because <laughs> there's another one where they talk about the identities. Like, they know each other. There's the other one that go in the future. Okay. I, there's I, that other one with Shaq. I thought you were going to say that famous scene where uh, Static throws like the the lightning up into the sky and it forms I the, did bat, like that. the yeah. bat symbol. Because I, like, I was watching this episode and pinpointing specific moments where you felt like that that was written in because it was going to be good promo stuff. Mm -hmm. Like there's the one of like Batman swinging away and then static zipping off after him and then Robin swinging after him. like, Oh, like clearly they wanted, like they had that shot because it's really great to pull out of a promo, like pull put into a promo. Yeah. Same with like static throwing up the bat symbol. Like those are things. Like so, so on that note, I, I brought it up to you before, uh, before we started recording that I, I, really wanted I have vague memories of the promos for this episode. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to try and find those original commercials. Yeah. And in that hunt, I fell down a very steep, very dangerous rabbit hole of people uploading the original commercials from kids WB oh my God. in the early 2000s. That's fantastic. Those are fun commercials. And there it, it brought back a different kind of nostalgia. One of like, unexpected like unexpectedness sure because like when we when we turn on these episodes we know what's coming yeah we've like, like prepared ourselves to be nostalgic yeah when you turn on a commercial and then it's like you know it's this this and then it, then it's like the the, the Yu-Gi-Oh promo is coming up it's like oh we're in the middle of this grand battle yeah where it's Yugi battling Joey in this in the the fate of the friendship you know part three coming at 10 o'clock um was that that was a real episode, yes. No, <laughs> it was a four-part no, episode. Uh, no, I knew you had that part of it right. I was gonna say, <laughs> was that was that like a, a really bad Walter Cronkite impersonation? Like, what would have happened if Walker Walter Cronkite didn't read the news but was like doing kids' cartoon? Yeah, promos? but they, they always had that same voice actor. Yeah, I think but, it was Jeff Bennett to be <laughs> to be exact. Okay, but I was like, that did not sound like what those cartoons. No, not at all. Sounded like that was my my worst attempt at a uh, mid Atlantic. <laughs> voice <laughs> transatlantic um shocking news today shocking news today that was more of tom broca oh uh, yeah that was yeah what are you doing <laughs> i'm actually just doing the dana carvey impression of tom broca um i i was i was unable to find the exact promo but i do recommend people if you just like really need something to lift your spirits just google kids wb early 2000s commercials uh and it 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 really warms the soul Okay, I, I worry I'm going to cause us to go down another hole at what is already proving to be a really lengthy podcast. But yep. I have to ask you this. Was that only a thing of that time in terms of those, like, doing 
promos for cartoon, like uh, Saturday morning cartoon promos where they would like bring, they would basically kind of do new animations or they would like pull clips or like frames of stuff and create their own like little unique promo pieces. Like, is that still done? Like if you were to watch Disney channel, or, like watch Nickelodeon, they're still doing that where they're like, they're pulling in all these different things. I don't maybe, think so. And maybe doing new animation just for commercials or like other commercials just like, I, I don't know how are commercials done. Are they done in that style anymore now where it's like, cause you talked about before, like there was that whole run of commercials for Cartoon Network where it was yeah, like the, the City. world. Yeah. Like all the characters come together and kids would be the bit of that where it was, um, like it was all set on the Warner backlot and the characters mm-hmm. kind of like walk around and so interact good. with each other. Uh. Like they, they were kind of original pieces advertising the show. I mean, we even, uh, Matt even brought it up that you think that stat or that Shaq is in so many episodes. Cause he, he is. Cause he's in one, but they did <laughs> that not. whole run of like promo pieces, like original promo pieces. Do they still do original promos like that? For I cartoons? don't think so. Okay. I, I think now it's just, it's just clever editing. Well, and I guess part of it too is now cartoons aren't, probably really consumed watching TV live as it airs. Like mm-hmm. car- cartoons are consumed with kids watching them on Netflix or on DC universe. Well, and like and, and I think it's all streaming. I think alongside of that, like the, the morning, like the kids to be morning was an iconic time slot. My God, it was that one, like, you know, 7am to 11am was like, that was all four key. You didn't see a commercial for anything else except for kids products. Yeah. All bumpers, all, all content, all content was made for kids. And it was the same with, you know, uh, cartoon, cartoon Fridays on, on cartoon network. Yeah. Um, uh, Nickelodeon, I think some Nickelodeon has Saturday way, nights. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and Sunday mornings where it was like, there's, it was their backup, but it never really did well. Hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't think it, it's done the same. And I think part of that is, Kids WB specifically, I feel like minus Teen Titans, all of the shows were animated at the same spot or in the same studio. Oh, okay. So I think that might've helped keep everything consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not true. No, what am I even saying? That's, that's complete bullshit. Cause static was definitely animated somewhere else. But as I was watching through these shorts, static does not appear in a lot of these like backlot things. Oh, when I was watching it, it was mostly maybe it was just like the time I was watching it, because I, I specifically looked at like January two thousand two. Yeah, makes sense. Because <laughs> um, that's when this episode aired, and that's what I was mm-hmm. trying to find. Uh, but maybe it was because it's still in its off season. It didn't. He didn't show up as much in the in the in the commercials. It was a lot of Mucha Lucha, and a lot of Jackie Chan, and a lot of yeah. Scooby Doo. Oh yeah, Scooby Doo. Yeah. Which Scooby Doo? What's new Scooby Doo started back up in two thousand three. That was on Kids WB. What's new Scooby-Doo? We're coming after you. Gonna solve that mystery. Thank yeah, you. that was Kids WB. Thank you. I didn't realize that was Kids WB. I thought mm-hmm. that was Cartoon Network for some reason. I mean, they're all they're they're both owned by... Well, yeah, but, they, I, they, they both but share I mean, them. I didn't think it played during the Kids WB mm-hmm. time slot. Yeah, so so Scooby had still a big presence for some reason because they had... Um, was, was, um, like the, 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 episode, or the commercials I was watching were like the Scooby-Doo sweepstakes. Maybe I think it was the time around um, the live action movies coming out. Maybe that's why it was it was super Scooby Doo themed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what the first Scooby Doo was two thousand two. It might have just lined up that way. Oh, okay, maybe that was it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah, if you guys need like a really good Biden nostalgia, just just Google some. Send me that link and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It'd be good to throw in there. 
Uh, any other real thoughts on this, or should we move along to power play? Let's let's go into power play. All right. So, like as you said, this is a a style of episode we see often, which is that the the sidekick character, the one without powers, of course, in this case, Richie, mm-hmm. uh, is jealous of not having powers and feels like if he had them, he would actually make for the better superhero. And so then, of course, he comes across uh, old woman slash young lady uh, in a trench coat. Also named, I wrote it down. Ragtag. Ragtag. Mm. It's a girl? I thought it was a guy. I, the reference to the, the is it an old woman or is it a young lady? Oh, yes. I got it. Thank you. <laughs> is that Jason Todd? You know it's a good joke if you have to explain it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he comes across this guy who is able to give metahumans powers. Um, and so he gives Richie, they are... He's a Green Lantern. Ah. Uh... Yes. I, I, I would say he's more like Violet from The Incredibles. He doesn't make constructs. Yes, he does. He makes a shovel, and he makes two uh, baskets for when he catches the people falling from the... I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I was setting up the podcasting equipment partway through this episode. I okay. may have missed some of the details of that aspect. Okay, good, because I, I wrote down... Uh, I have a whole subplot of two, constructor, two construction workers' worst day working. Yeah, because what all happens there? (laughs) So much. Because a lot happens in a very short period of time. So much happens in 30 seconds. So we start off with these two construction workers having a really bad day. Mm -hmm. Let's play out these events. They pick up... First off, they're on a crane situated on top of a parking structure. Yes. Uh, That doesn't seem safe off the bat, but whatever. They're superheroes. They're going to save them. Yeah. So they're picking up a load from somewhere uh, that's too heavy for the crane to manage uh, and too heavy for the parking structure to manage. So the, the floor beneath them starts to crack. And in that turmoil, the crane swings and hits the structure they're building, uh, which I'm sure is going to cause more damage they're going to have to fix later in their construction career, uh, which causes the beams to come off balance and then start to fall into the pedestrian zone, which is not roped off at all. Uh, there are no safety concerns with the with the safety crew. There never are in cities. That's true. Um, uh, which, with this this shocking move, causes the crane to bend itself into a corkscrew <laughs> um, before finally starting to break when static comes in and catches half the half of the crane that broke off, um, which he's struggling to keep up. And in that moment, the two, <laughs> the two construction workers fall out of the rest of the crane where Richie comes and, and catches them in his not Green Lantern, Green Lantern net. As push. As push. Uh, yeah, and then he gets all the credit. It was a really shitty, shitty like 30 day. seconds for them. And let's be honest, they probably got fired afterwards. I, I mean, it was definitely their fault. It was fault. definitely their fault. Yeah. yeah like, you should kind of know better the capacity of the crane you're using. Well, there, there's what, there's a specific acronym that's for, like, construction worker sir, like, uh, safety services. I don't uh, remember anymore. That's a thing? It is a thing, yeah. Uh, it's called damage control. <laughs> you're right. It's called damage control, except that is Marvel. It's Marvel. How dare we? Uh, yeah, so Richie gets these powers. He goes by the name Push. Um, there are two other henchman-type characters that yes, have been given not, powers. Not to be confused with the 2007 Chris Evans movie, Push. To never saw. It's bad. That's what I've heard. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's heard. wonderfully bad. Is it Dakota Fanning in it? It is Dakota Fanning. She's no, she, she can see the future. We're not going to go there. Oh, uh, but I would love to go there. Um, 
So the other two other henchmen uh, are run and jump. Run and jump. Okay. So here's my question for yep. you. So we have run and jump. Mm-hmm. We have push. Yes. What would the character pull? pull? Yes. What yeah. would pull's superpowers be? Uh, magnetism. Boom. Man, yeah. look at that. You're so good at this. I'm like on right it. off the cuff. Yeah. You should maybe get like the creative space. I really should. You know, you know a lot I about. I should stop doing taxes. You, you know. <laughs> You know so much about like cartoon promotions. Maybe you should get into like uh, animation marketing. Yeah, we'll see if there's an opening there. Mm, actually, no, I take that back. You'd be fucking terrible at that. Probably don't, don't do it. Yeah, keep doing taxes. Yeah, uh, I'll be an auditor. Don't do that. I know lots of auditors. <laughs> you have too much to live for, Cameron. Uh, so, so the reason that I think he's just a Green Lantern is in the beginning of the episode when Richie is doing his superhero routine in the mm. secret hideout. Uh, Virgil makes a joke. He's like, oh, no, you're totally fine. Like, I also pretend I'm still Green Lantern sometimes. Yeah. Also being the joke that Phil Lamar also voices. Voices John Stewart. John Stewart. And what, what's so fun about that moment is it's Phil Lamar as static impersonating his own John Stewart. So he doesn't it's actually good. do the John Stewart voice. He does a version of that voice. Yeah. Which is always amazing. Um, I, it reminded me of in Thor The Dark World, which is definitely on the lesser spectrum of the Marvel films. But that amazing scene with Chris Evans playing mm-hmm. Loki impersonating Captain America. Like yeah. th- that meta level gets super fun. Well, have you ever seen the interview about Mel Blanc? And he was the first big voice actor to do that. Oh, yeah. Where he was arguing with himself, switching live in the booth between uh, Bugs... And Daffy? Yeah, Bugs dressed as Daffy, arguing with Daffy dressed as Bugs. It's fucking brilliant. Uh, and, like, doing the... Basically, that's the same character. Yeah. But still perfectly mimicking each other's... And having it two, two separate characters. While, while not... like Because most people who do that would... Because, like, uh, Seth MacFarlane, who does every voice in Family Guy... Yeah. He will record all of Peter's voices, and then all of Stewie's voices, and then, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Where... Mel Blanc was doing all that in one recording session. Yeah, he was going back and forth. Yeah. That's like that's incredible. masterful. It, I mean, we've talked about this at length, but the there's a very particular skill set that comes with being a really great voice actor. And it's what you just described. It's mm-hmm. like Seth MacFarlane being able to have all these conversations with himself. Futurama is the same way too. Yeah. It's like, Simpsons again, as well. talk about Phil Lamar. Yeah. It's like these you know, these actors can play all these characters and you'll watch some ep- like episodes where it's basically just them talking to themselves. Rick and Morty mm-hmm. actually is a great example of that. It's both characters are voiced by Justin Roiland. Yeah. South Park. So, yeah, exactly. It's like, Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Philomar. What a man. What a goddamn legend. Oh, love him so much. Um, yeah, so Richie now is pushed. He's basically the powers of the Green Lantern, and the whole thing essentially just becomes a, a drug metaphor because, uh, is it rag? What? Rag- this is a drug metaphor? Is it ra- ragtime? No, what's his name? Uh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say Riff Raff, but that's that's Rocky Horror. Um, his name is rag- Ragtime. Yeah. Rag- ragtime. So Ragtime. When, <laughs> uh, ragtime. Hello, my baby. Hello, Hello my honey. honey. Hello, my Hello, ragtime, ragtime <laughs> Hey, still, still in, still in universe, still canon. That's true, actually. Yeah, good old Michigan J Frog. Yeah, ragtag. Now ragtime. Uh, yeah. No ragtime. So yeah. ragtime, uh, he can give the powers away, but temporarily, of course. Like, oh, I'm happy to give you powers. Oh, you don't have powers anymore. Well, come on back to me. I'll happily give you more powers, but you gotta do me a favor. Yeah, I only give you enough to get through this one thing, and yeah. then if you do it well, 
I'll reward you with more yeah. powers. So he basically tricks or convinces Richie. This is or, not heroin, I promise. It's, it's absolutely not a metaphor not for any meth. drugs. Which also, this was early 2000s, so this would probably have been like a metaphor for weed because everyone's like, oh my God, it's a gateway drug. It's not the fucking gateway drug. Yeah. Don't be ridiculous. Oh, I thought this was... Cocaine's the gateway drug. I was going to say this was steroids. Oh, that makes sense too. Mm-hmm. I mean, pick anything. Yeah. It's just, a, it's another typical addiction metaphor for a cartoon. But like, at least it's done pretty well. But the idea is that... Richie is so desperate to have powers that he initially agrees to go and rob from a museum. And then eventually he's like, wait, no, this is, this is dumb. Like I'm, I'm one of these powers to be a hero. And so he sabotages, um, run and jump. And then static shows up and Richie doesn't have powers anymore. But of course, like they're team once again, and mm-hmm. they stop him. Yeah. And now he's okay being called sidekick. I thought, I thought that was the, going to be like the part at the end of the episode is like, Hey, like, we just went over this. I'm not your sidekick. We're partners in this. Well, yeah, because Richie even says, like, oh, I'm perfectly, I'm like happy to be back to being your sidekick. And I was waiting for Virgil to be like, yeah. no, no like, we're you're not my sidekick, your partner. He doesn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Virgil. Did you not learn anything in this episode? <laughs> Poor Richie, man. Yeah. He's got to wait a whole nother season before he's an equal. Exactly. Even then, like, are they? I think so. Gear is awesome. I think Gear is awesome. I mean, but his power is basically is just super smart. Yeah, exactly. Which is like, that's was already basically his kind of power anyways. He already invents all the shit to start but with. But now he invents like real real things. Now he invents like Batman gadgets. Yeah, like that robot backpack thing. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sweet. Named Backpack. Is it called Backpack? It's called Backpack. No, oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, is this set in the same universe as Dora the Explorer? It is, yes. <laughs> Wait a minute. Backpack, is backpack. Is Boots just the bank baby? Boots is a bang baby. Holy shit. <laughs> Boots is cousin with Carmandillo and Ferret. Oh my God. We've cracked this thing wide open here. Yeah. The extended, extended universe. <laughs> the bigger league. Uh, one of the, the little moments I did love in this episode, though, was when Static can't find Richie and he realizes that he can just like dial into a phone line. Mm-hmm. So he grabs onto it and then like projects like a little lightning grid and like actually dials the phone. I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, well, he, he does the same thing in the last episode where he's playing electric tic-tac-toe, oh, tic-tac-toe with yeah. himself. I know. Like, like this, was it, there anything more depressing than watching yeah. someone play tic-tac-toe alone? He played tic-tac-toe with himself and still lost yeah. somehow. At least, like, you can play so- you can make, like, make, like, electric solitaire. Yeah. Like, I think that'd be a funny joke if, like, he picks up a card and it's the wrong card and he just like changes it in his hand. Yeah. And puts it down. I feel like Shiv would do something like that's a Shiv joke. Yeah. He's sketchy. Yeah. Uh, Static could also play just like uh, he just like curl an electric tennis ball and just like bounce it off a wall with himself. Yeah. But I do love this show just completely throws science out the window. But mm-hmm. in doing so, it's at least inventive with how it like finds new ways for his powers to manifest. Like yeah. that alone is like kind of a fun little thing. Um. I don't know, but it, it is a fun episode. Like you said, I mean, it's it's a storyline that's been done. Danny Phantom did a great version of it. Um, but, you know, again... Oh, so we also, sorry, we also find out Ragtime has a second part of his power where not only oh, can he yeah. give powers, but he can absorb life force. Yeah. It's very questionable like, the second half. I guess what he's putting into people is life force. Yeah. Uh, it's so, not fully fleshed out. Yeah, so he... he when static and richie go to confront him he kind of drains static's life force um (laughs) and richie has to stop him uh and he presumably falls to his death but which is just a dumpster yeah uh but also fun fact we will get to see him again in another episode we learn about his origin yeah oh 
we get the the full story of ragtime yeah cannot wait Mm -hmm. it's gonna be glorious also i'm glad that in dakota city uh dumpsters have replaced uh rivers pools and really large bonsai trees in terms of catching people when they fall or just bushes (laughs) just really big comfy bushes all Mm -hmm. across gotham city yeah uh all right any other thoughts on this i think that's everything let me go through these notes really quick uh richie the superhero uh richie there's a runaway truck and there's a it's about to hit a puppy and so richie jumps in the middle of the street as Uh, any sensible person would yep you know what i've never seen in a cartoon someone do that and then not get saved by the superpowers they didn't know they had yeah exactly (laughs) wouldn't that be a twist i mean if we're gonna put psa's into this why don't we do one where someone runs in front of a truck and then gets fucking flattened by it yeah no kid's gonna do that after that Mm -hmm. but now what kids are gonna do is gonna think that in the moment when they're just about to get taken out by a semi-truck they'll just develop superpowers or be saved by another hero that's absolutely true a la wonder woman yeah. All uh, Superman. All any of them. Yeah, anyone that just like jumps in front and they like put their arm up and the truck just like uh Hellboy does oh, it where he yeah. punches the front of the truck exactly. and it flips over them. See? It's a good a good truck flip. Uh, yeah, one does love a good truck flip. Yeah. That was that was that was quintessential in the mid two thousands. Yeah. I mean, hey, but no one did it better than Nolan. Yeah. I was gonna say, were truck flips replaced by glowing blue lights in the sky? Yeah. Yeah. What's the new version of that? I don't know yet. Have we, do we have one? I mean, there's like superhero landing. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty good one. That's a pretty That's a pretty big one. I think we're getting smarter about our tropes and like veering away from them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, what am I talking? Know what the new one is? The mirror, mirror fights? Uh, or no. Or it's you fighting yourself? I mean, there's that, but I was going to say uh, really unnecessary villain origin films. Because you know what we all got tired of? Hero origins. But you know what's not a hero origin? A villain origin. Yeah. Done. Oh my God. We found a way to make the exact same thing, but make it fresh. Mm-hmm. And what is greater than that in entertainment? Nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's all I have for this episode. All right. So, uh, Cameron, what are you going to plug this week? You, you've been catching up on quite a bit of stuff. I, I've been trying to catch up on a few things. Um, I've always been watching uh, Clone Wars. Uh, but the big thing that I'm going to plug is The Gentleman. Yes. The, the-, the new Guy Ritchie film that just came out. Uh, which I will say, if how was the sleight of hand? I know that was a big problem for you. <laughs> that was a big problem for me in, in, the, in the most Aladdin. recent Guy Ritchie film, Aladdin. Was, yes. was, was it appropriately sleight of hand for you? Did it, it feel? Was, did it feel Guy Ritchie enough? I, I was to gonna say it, it was the other side of Guy Ritchie in this film, where if your theater offers a closed caption version, uh, I'd recommend going to that <laughs> version because there are some thick accents in this movie. I love it. I love, I love a thick Guy Ritchie accent. Yeah, because uh, Colin Farrell, Farrell goes full Colin. Does he go Farrell? He goes full Farrell. Uh, his character's name is just uh, The Coach. Love it. Yeah. Uh, and he's, I don't want to say he's the best part because everyone is the best part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, Colin Farrell is one of those actors, if you throw him in, your movie is going to be that much better for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Minus uh, Harry Potter. What he's, oh, Fantastic Beasts. But he's really good he, in that. He is good in Fantastic they Beasts. They rob right. him of anything interesting <laughs> about him by him just making him Johnny Depp. Yeah. Talk about like the greatest downgrade in the history of cinema. Mm-hmm. Like you have Colin Farrell who just like shows up. He looks good. He's charismatic. He brings something special to it. And then you have that weird 
albino train wreck that is Johnny Depp swooping in to take him yeah. away. It's such a goddamn travesty. Uh, but who else is in that movie? Henry Golding is in the movie, and he's... I don't know if he hasn't been amazing in, in something yet. Because every time I've seen him, he's just perfect. I mean, he he's just one of those guys that like brings that extra little bit. Uh, he is what the Empire Film Podcast would refer the to. What? The Empire Film Podcast? What is that? Uh, Where can we find that? <laughs> you can find it wherever you can find this podcast, and it's a hell of a lot better. Uh, but they have what they call the 27 percenters, like the, an actor who you put him in and makes a movie 27 percent better. Uh, their classic example is one of our favorites, Stanley Tucci, a.k.a. Hell yeah, the Tucci. The Tucci. The Tucci. Uh, the Tucci would have been great in this movie. I, mean, oh, I feel man. like he totally would have fit in. Like, yeah. th- this movie is stuck, like just absolutely stuck with him. Yeah, it's, some... it's Henry Golding. It's Colin Farrell. It's Hugh Grant. Yeah, Hugh Grant is great. He's <sighs> So there's no like... Because everyone's kind of the villain. It's it's one of those stories where everyone's the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, I've heard it's kind of a spiritual successor to Snatch. I think that's yeah, how you that, described yeah, that's, it. That's to what me. I said. Yeah, yeah. Is, it it doesn't have the same like sleight of hand as as Man we, from uh, Uncle. I mean, uh, that is your your number one criteria when it comes to Guy Ritchie film. <laughs> it is. Wait, how was the sleight of hand in uh, King Arthur? Amazing. Ever, is it oh, really it's, good? It's good. Oh, okay, great. Because <laughs> it's it, it's real there. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and, of course. It's, yes. <laughs> Yeah, and King Arthur, that's where the sleight of hand is so real. And that's what everyone was demanding out of their King Arthur film was some Guy Ritchie-style sleight of hand. Yes. What I yeah, was, what the I, sword wasn't actually in the stone. It just looked that way. It's yeah. all a con. It was all mirrors. You know what Guy Ritchie should have done? Um, now You See Me. How has that not happened? When are we going to get Now You See Me 3? Yes. The Guy Ritchie film, Now You See Me 3. Um. <laughs> Or it'd probably be shortened to now you see three, just because it'd be like, how can we? How no, can no, we, no, 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 no. Oh, what's the worst sigh? Now you three me. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> that is better. That's 100%. The next the next one is now you three me. Someone hire me. No, don't. <laughs> You've just been blacklisted. Uh, no, the gentleman is great. Matthew McConaughey. I think if this movie had come out a month earlier, mm-hmm. maybe two months earlier, he could have been a contender for, for like award seasons. Maybe not an Oscar nom, but like, like a Golden Globe. Yeah, he got in a Golden Globe. A SAG nomination, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, because he's great. Mm-hmm. And he like there's there's one shot specifically, uh, and when you see it, you'll know what I'm talking about, where it's just like this upward angle of him, and he's almost all in shadow holding a gun, and you're like, holy shit, he is menacing. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's great about uh, an actor. I mean, like basically everyone we just described, like uh, Hugh Grant or um, oh uh, uh, Charlie Colin Hunnam Farrell. is in it. Charlie Hunnam is great. Oh, love Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, and like you get some of those those actors who like are so good that they do get Oscar nominations because they're that good, but then they don't pigeonhole themselves to only be in that kind of film, and they mm-hmm. they are able to take that just really palpable talent. And put it in something that's a little bit more fun, and that helps elevate the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, just talk about the growth of McConaughey. Oh, yeah. Of being this kind of comedic womanizer turned rom-com star. Yeah. Turned this Oscar-winning actor. Yeah, and then he still goes and does fun things. Yeah. And actually, I was listening to uh, an an interview. I won't say the name of the podcast. That would be in in poor form, but I bet you can guess what it was. Uh, and it's an interview. You must remember this. Exactly. It's a great podcast. It uh, is. They just did a whole segment on uh, Song of the South, which is really good. Oh, that would be interesting. That's going to be my second plug. I'll talk about that in a okay. second. Uh, but no, in this interview, it's 
Matthew McConaughey and Hugh Grant, and they're both on there together, and they're saying that without giving away anything in the movie, they don't really spend a lot of time together in the movie. They're talking about other times they've kind of interacted here and there, and they talk about the fact that uh, Matthew McConaughey basically kind of inherited the rom-com king role from Hugh Grant. From Hugh Grant. That's so true. I didn't even think yeah. about that. And one of the great questions that I got asked was like, okay, for you guys, like what, what's your um, like surprise money movie? Like what's the one you still get checks from? And Matthew McConaughey just laughs. He's like, and how to lose a guy in 10 days. I was absolutely how to lose a guy in 10 <laughs> He's days. Like, I just got a check from that. It was big enough for us to all go on vacation <laughs> on a nice vacation. <laughs> but I mean, you know, they were talking about how those movies, like they had so much fun doing them and like that they, they're great experiences. And the, the great thing about them is, yeah, they're not, awards contending movies but it's movies that people remember them for and like they still get stopped in the street like oh my god i loved you in this like you were so much fun then it's like the roles they're known for because people genuinely love them in yeah it. i was gonna say for for will smith what's the thing people remember him for besides fresh after fresh prince independence day i was gonna say hitch no definitely independence day i'm gonna say hitch no people definitely know him more from independence day than from hitch i don't think so okay I think- I think Hitch okay, has listeners. a more global audience no. than than no, 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 no. There's mm-hmm. no way. All mm-hmm. right, I put I'm putting a poll up on Twitter. All right, I want to hear people's responses. That's unfair because we have a skewed audience. Our audience are people that would watch Independence Day. But no, like, I, you know what? Here's what we're gonna do, Jason. <laughs> I know you're listening to this. As soon as you hear us say this, text us mm-hmm. and tell me what you think people more remember will smith from in fact this whole next week i'm gonna go around and ask people please do if when i say will smith what is the movie you think most about mm-hmm. and we're gonna see what kind of you do this too actually i will Cameron. i will we're gonna be a plague upon our friends this next week yeah two weeks actually we have two weeks we to get an answer to do on this, this. Yeah. all right I want to hear a listener perspective on this, and we're going to get some live input, too. Mm-hmm. We're going to come back in two weeks, and we're going to we're have, have the, a full live audience. Definitive <laughs> answer. What is the more famous Will Smith role? Independence Day or Hitch? Mm-hmm. God damn and it. And for anyone that says Pursuit of Happiness, fuck you. Yeah, honestly, fuck you. <laughs> You're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> what were we talking about? Uh, plugs. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll do, I'll do a, a side book, because I just started listening to this. Um... You must remember this, yeah. which is a fantastic, fantastic uh, Karina Longworth. Yes, fantastic podcast. If you if you've never listened to it, it goes into just the most beautiful old Hollywood stories. Yeah, they're they're documentary style podcasts. Yes, uh, and so she'll she'll pick a theme for each season, and the one she just finished was all about um, Song of the South, and that's it's interesting. It's super interesting, and it's it's six parts, I believe. I've listened to the first part, and I just started the fifth part. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first one just kind of gives the overall history of how Disney kind of weirdly still uses it to get money. Splash Mountain. Well, that's, so that's what part five was, was talking okay. about it. It's yeah. resurgent with Splash Mountain. But even before then, it was part of the vault. Um, and it, it came after, so it came out in 1945, 46, right? It came out in 1946 because they just started, they just lost their contract with the, the army because mm-hmm. World War II was over. Um, and it it after 1946 it came out three more times in theaters jesus christ um and surprisingly did well in the south who would have guessed what a shocker um but yeah just kind of the seeing both sides of the arguments of like why some people say it's it's a horrible movie why some people say it's 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 too hard on it people view it too critically um i mean 
there is an interesting conversation. Have you seen it? I've not seen it. No. Okay, neither have I. But there is a very interesting conversation to be had around the idea of censoring our own history, mm-hmm. right? It's like to there is a very valid argument to be made about trying to limit exposure to something for its inherent like cruelty and toxicity and for the way it makes someone, especially someone who is a minority or is a disenfranchised feel the idea like, Oh, this used to be a butt of a joke sort of situation. There is also another argument made about the fact that if you erase that sort of history and you bury it, then you can possibly in turn bury the lesson that comes out of it, which is like, this was not acceptable or this is never been acceptable, but it was kind of, we know better now. Mm-hmm. Like it is even more egregiously unacceptable now than it was back then. But to throw it away can possibly undercut that a little bit because you just you don't have a chance to learn those kind of lessons. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get to learn from history. So I don't. Okay, know. So, so I, have, I have a quick question about that, which will probably turn into a very long answer. Yeah. Uh, in Fantasia, they redrew characters that were initially seen as racist figures. Yeah. Uh, and continue to market that movie now. With the updated, redone version. Yeah. I, it's tough because it's a slightly different situation when it's specifically targeted towards kids. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think- But it wasn't at the time. It was a family film. Well, right. But like, the thing is, is that now an adult could watch that and and see those sort of uh, characterizations and- understand enough to know why that's bad Mm -hmm. the problem with with kids is that kids are mimics right yeah they don't have the context yet and so i i think there's an argument made about the fact that that sort of stuff if a kid sees it they could just absorb it and not be able to understand why it's wrong Mm -hmm. because it's not like it's presented with enough context to elaborate upon why it's wrong it's just presented as is and that sort of um, characterization of people can maybe further perpetuate it if you don't have the context behind it. Okay. So I think I think maybe that's an example of maybe it's not the worst idea. And I guess that ultimately supports the idea that something like Song of the South probably shouldn't be super accessible to kids. Mm-hmm. But also there's uh, probably another argument made about like, the fact that like kids are like aware enough to understand what's right and what's wrong without having like the societal pressures. Who the fuck knows? We're not child psychologists. No. No, we're not. We're barely couch philosophers. We're just two auditors sitting here talking <laughs> exactly. about cartoons. Uh, well, well, speaking of podcasts. Okay. My plug this week is uh, the latest episode of Inside of You from Michael Rosenbaum. I know I've plugged it oh, before. Yeah. Um, but it's a really good interview, and I'm only about halfway through it, but it's with Stephen Amell who obviously mm. just wrapped eight years on Arrow. Mm-hmm. And I haven't watched the last two episodes of Crisis yet. I don't know if you have. I don't know if I'm going to. At some point, I want to watch <laughs> them. We'll, we'll get to talking about oh, that. Oh, man, that was rough. I've heard they're good. I've heard they're actually they're better than the other ones. But that tangent that's, aside. That's, that's, not, that's, a hard, that's not a hard line to cross. But what's interesting about it is, and one of the reasons why I think Michael Rosenbaum is a really good interviewer, is he's really good about um, kind of asking a little bit pointed questions to get people talking about sort of stuff. You know, It's like one of the questions he asks... Stephen Amell, who like literally at the time of the recording, it's like November, I just finished rapping mm-hmm. Arrow. And he's like, oh, like, do you cry? They start talking about that. And one of the most interesting things about it is that Stephen Amell actually has a panic attack on air and they stop the recording and he leaves. And they pick it up again 
two weeks later, and then they start talking about what happened there. And one of the things I think is so fantastic about it is it's two people being very real and very vulnerable talking about anxiety and also just their own mental health and like both of them talking about what it's like to experience a panic attack and even acknowledging the stigma against it. Like Michael Rosenbaum makes a comment about how like he would get panic attacks on set and have to walk off and he would lie to people. It's like, oh, it's, I just have like really bad diarrhea because it's a good cover. It's well, it's a good cover. Because one, also, no one's going to question you on. No one's going to question you on it. But also, it's a good cover because you know it's again the mentality of like, oh, rather than being honest about what I'm going through, I'm just going to make a joke about it and like a way to kind of like minimize my own like reality and pain. And it, you know, it's just I, you and I are both like video advocates for like actually talking about mental health. And I've talked about it on air about how I go to therapy and how fantastic it is. And so I don't know. It's just it's really nice to see two actors and also two character like who play characters are known for being like very masculine and very macho like arrow especially mm-hmm. being so open so vulnerable and so real it's, it's a really fantastic interview it's worth well worth that's listening. really cool so, yeah there was um a much shorter version i'm sure uh but on colbert's late night show this week uh he had john mulaney on oh, where they mulaney. kind of went, they went on this weird like it wasn't even funny just like a, a weird mental health tangent yeah of basically colbert uh, in in different words, which is like why why do you feel the need to be funny? Yeah, it was kind of the the theme of the night for the two of them, mm-hmm. and Mulaney just be like like just like I know I have a time limit for being on the show, but it's like give me a minute to like get my thoughts together because I wasn't expecting that question. Yeah, and it's one of those where I can't tell how much is staged because obviously everything in late night is staged now, uh, but it, it felt like a very genuine moment. Yeah, because also Mulaney is notorious for being not a great actor, so kind of yeah. But God damn it, do we love him? We do. He's we a great. He's a great comedian. So Doesn't have to be a good actor if he's a great comedian. Yeah, no, he, he's. I'll look that up. That, I'll put that in the show notes too. That sounds like really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a twelve-minute little segment. Yeah, I mean, it's well documented. It's well discussed. That like uh, at its root, like a lot of comedy comes from pain mm-hmm. and like trying to process it or undercut it or something like that. And I don't know. It's just really interesting. Um. All right, have we gone on long enough? I think so. And, and gone to the most weird and sometimes deep places we possibly yeah. could. I did. I did have one because you you made the diarrhea joke. Did your so when did your parents do the same thing? Where like if you needed to get out of a party, you needed an excuse. My mom was like, "You don't have to just straight up call me because someone can use your phone. Someone can see your phone. Uh, tell the party host that you have diarrhea, uh, and they will never question why you left the party." <laughs> But why would you need that sort of cover? I don't, wait, you know, you're, you're at a high school party. People are like, drinking. I'm not feeling well. Because people, you know, like make fun of you for that. This is back in the day. This is, you know. But they're not going to make fun of you for having explosive diarrhea? Nope. Okay, then. Problem solved. Yeah. I, I did I, I, mom, text me about this after <laughs> we listened to this. I'm pretty sure that's advice you gave me once. Was that, that holds water. Yeah. That sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, that's a, that's a Cindy thing right there. I can totally see that thing. Mm-hmm. That thing. All right. Well, I think that does it uh, for us did finally. We what did we, we get to? We did it. That's a good, that's a good number. It's, yeah, it's a little longer than normal, but you know, it's uh, every other week now, so you're getting that extra little bit of content in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we if you want to reach out to us, we are at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Please write to us and let us know for you, what is the more iconic Will Smith role? Hitch, obviously. Independence Day. Obviously Hitch. Hitch. Please write to us and let us know. And uh, when you do, be sure to make sure that I end up being right. Mm-hmm. Um... If you want to find me, I am at Lordifer on Instagram. You know how and I know it's Hitch? Because of the two people on this couch, I have never seen Independence Day. But that doesn't say <laughs> shit, Cameron. There's a lot of things you should have seen. Yep. 
Where can they find you to give you shit for never having seen Independence Day? Uh, you can find me, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. If you want to see my face, you can find that at CamDexter underscore Adventures. And I had my first animated episode come out for Disney. Yes, you did. You absolutely did. Uh, which you can find on Minnie Mouse's Instagram or on the Disney YouTube channel. It is under Positively Minnie. That's awesome. Yeah. Super proud of you. That's like Thank a, you. I know it's, it's been a lot of work. Um, I'm not going to say it's partly responsible for now we're doing this every other week, <laughs> but we do have, I do have many more episodes <laughs> yeah, coming yes. up of that and it is, uh, destroying me inside and out. It's fine. That's mm-hmm. why we do this, Cameron. That's why I do this. That's why to I go to Disneyland us from so all much. The misery. <laughs> yep. Uh, but thank you as always everyone for listening. Yeah. We'll see you in see two you weeks in with two Shaq. Weeks with Shaq. Cause he's going to be special on. guest. Special Shaq. guest Shaq. It's going to be a whole season of nothing but Shaq. Yep. Thanks everyone. Superhero static static shock. shock.